Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Hey guys, it's Philip Teresi. Thank you for listening to the Afternoon Drive podcast with myself and E. Curtis Johnson. I want you to do me a favor. Rate and review the podcast, especially if you are an Apple Podcasts user. It helps a lot. It increases our visibility. It helps other people to find not just our podcast, but everything from the KMJ family of podcasts. Enjoy the show. Thank you very much for listening. And if you can take just a minute to rate and review KMJ's Afternoon Drive, however you listen to your podcast. It is sincerely appreciated. 406 on KMJ at KMJnow.com and wherever you stream. I'm Philip Teresi. That's E. Curtis Johnson. Uh, quick correction. Uh, Matthew Serrato is not the Mayo of Merced. He is the Mayor of Merced. We will update the script for the KMJ news anchor, Ron Burgundy, before the next installment. Yes, Jim, I'm looking at you. Mayor, come on, buddy. He's got condiments on his mind. Yes. It's, it, well, I, it's getting close to dinner time for some of us. All right, moving yeah. on. Um, this story is, is simultaneously hilarious and very, very sad. Um, Glasgow, Scotland. The Willie's Chocolate Experience was advertised for about $45 per ticket with these incredible images on social media and the website showing an absolutely beautiful recreation of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Got my attention. The website promised a world of pure imagination, an immersive event with attractions to rival the fictional chocolate factory. Big claim. Illustrations on the website with lush gardens, giant lollipops, swirls of candy. And uh, Stuart Sinclair talked to the Washington Post about what he and his family actually experienced when they showed up on Saturday. And the uh, Willie's Chocolate Experience uh, introduced them to a brisk walk through a barren hall dotted with folding tables, an occasional candy-themed prop, and passageways wrapped in black tarps. What? Yeah. That's um, a ripoff. His uh, his daughter, uh, Nirvana, was given two jelly beans and a half cup of lemonade before the family left. Oh, only a half a cup. Boy, that's, that's adding insult to injury. Mr. Sinclair is quoted in the Washington Post as saying, the worst part is that there was no chocolate. Yeah, how can you have Willy Wonka without chocolate? Parents got so angry, somebody called the cops. In a country where the national sport is breaking furniture, you have sailed past any kind of reason when a Scot calls the cops. (laughs) 
they're so mad they don't even want to hit you with a folding chair. We just want the police to come. Something terrible has happened. No, I've got some Scottish in me so I can say this, but when you're too cheap for the Scots, you're really cheap. So the um, company that was hosting this event, uh, they call themselves the House of Illuminati. Uh, They first registered as a business entity in November. Uh, They did, in a Facebook post that has since been deleted, apologize for the event and say that they would issue refunds to every attendee. The director of the House of Illuminati, Billy Cool says that the issue was hampered by, quote, unforeseen circumstances. This seems bizarre because, I mean, Willy Wonka is a registered trademark. I, I can't imagine somebody pulling this off. I mean, clearly an unlicensed event. I mean, what, what in the world did these organizers think that they were going to actually produce that would replicate Willy Wonka's chocolate factory? I mean, there's no. I mean, there's no answer to that. It's a rhetorical question. So, to be clear, Willy Wonka was published in 1964. So, it will become public domain uh, in 2059. So, right now, no, it's absolutely not public domain. Hence, it being Willy's chocolate experience, and not Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Ah, okay. They just led you to believe that it was Willy Wonka. They just called it Willy's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you can skate right up to the edge of some of this. Stuff. Okay, all right. That makes better sense. And, and the estate of Road Dahl is not nearly as draconian as, oh, say, the House of Mouse when it comes to uh, enforcing some of these things. Number one comparison made by the adult attendees: Fire Festival. Fire Festival. This was a couple of years ago. Uh, this was billed as the the music festival to end all music festivals. They they had rented an island. It was going to be this super exclusive, super luxe. Get your get your glamping yurt with your ten thousand thread count Egyptian cotton sheets and craft cocktails made by the best bartenders in the world and the biggest musical acts across all of popular music. And it's just going to be an entire week of hedonism and beautiful people and exceptional food. And people got off the plane and were put into FEMA shelter tents and given cold cheese sandwiches before being told that they were stuck on the island because of weather and that nobody was coming. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you want to look up Fire Festival, F-Y-R-E. Those guys got in so much trouble, they ended up doing a stretch in the pokey. Well, for that kind of fraud, yeah, that's but isn't, terrible. Isn't this fraud, too? I mean, look, nobody got stuck on an island in a FEMA tent eating emergency rations for three days, but you sold me a ticket for $45. You told me that I was taking my child to an immersive event. Yes. And my kid got a half cup of tepid lemonade, a couple of jelly beans, and a walkthrough of a warehouse with enough props to have maybe filled a small office. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this appears to be just outright fraud. If nothing else, just total gross incompetence. I mean, how could you organize an event like this and fail this badly? 
it's it's not like they described that the the decorations were cheap or maybe a little off. They just weren't there at all. I mean, the the the, the clear lack of anything re- related that what one would associate with Willy Wonka to to me is evidence of just gross fraud. Yeah, that one of the explanations in the oh we got a hitch in our supply chain. The holographic paper that we ordered didn't arrive. Holographic paper wasn't going to produce chocolate, bro. Yeah. Like holographic paper is cool, and if you've got projectors and stuff set up, yeah, you can, you can make up for a lot of inexperience set building just by giving somebody something to cool, cool to look at. Sure. Where was the chocolate? Yeah, no excuse for that. And I tell you, when when you mess with chocolate addicts, you you deserve what you get when you tick them off. It's the kids, man. So Michael Archibald is a college student who was hired to perform as a stand-in for Willy. Not Willy Wonka, because it's not Willy Wonka's, because that's a copyrighted thing. But he was there to be Willy. He was given the role... Thursday. This event was on Saturday. (laughs) He was given the role Thursday after signing up for the job on Indeed.com, the job site. Friday, so the day before the event took place, Michael was given a costume and a script that, quote, wasn't very human and appeared to have been generated by A.I., His comment on what he thought when he walked into the venue Saturday morning, quote, this is a place where dreams went to die. (laughs) That's pretty harsh. Even for the Scots. Oh, my God. Yeah, they, um, there's, there's one photograph and and if you guys can find, I'll, I'll share the link. I gotta, I gotta dig it up because I think it was over on the chive. There is a woman in a costume that if you tell somebody it's supposed to be an Oompa Loompa getup, you'd understand what you were looking at. Otherwise, it's just kind of a vaguely frilly collar with white gloves and vaguely green hair on what is very clearly a Caucasian lady not wearing Oompa Loompa makeup. And she is standing at a candy station where your child can get two jelly beans and a half cup of warm lemonade. And honest to goodness, it looks like she's getting ready to do a YouTube video on how to set up a meth lab. (laughs) Breaking bad. Nice. So the, uh, the Facebook post from the company that set this thing up, the house of Illuminati, um, the, the the Facebook post apologizing for the debacle has disappeared, and nobody's gotten their uh, refunds yet. Okay, now that's that's where we got to be getting into fraud here. I don't know Scottish law, but common sense would tell you that th- that definitely sounds like a l- let's set them up and then take the money and run. Yeah, yeah. So House of Illuminati, if you go to their website, which I think is still online as of today, yeah, it's still there. Um, they advertise uh, planning services for 
mystique galas, avant-garde art, and secret soirees, but they also say that they will not be holding any events in the foreseeable future. Yeah, I don't see a long-term future for this company. Every single image on the website minus what looks to me to be a completely unremarkable wedding reception, AI generated. Mm. Yeah, that's that's that just screams ripoff. Yeah, they've got a picture of a set dresser with a mushroom tree uh, from December 12th. What to expect at the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory experience? And, and if you look at this, this, you know, this this artisan who's building this thing, it's very obviously not the Willy Wonka experience. But it looks like it's a really cool set piece. The problem is they took it and put it in front of a black sheet hanging from the gray wall of an empty warehouse. Ugh. You know, one of the worst things about this though is now now I've got a hankering for chocolate and we have none. None whatsoever. Vending machine. Vending machine. All which, right. which, by the way, the walk to the vending machine through the construction currently taking place on the third floor of Radio City, definitely more Willy Wonka-like than what these poor kids in Scotland got. Get an inside look at Hollywood with Michael Rosenbaum. Let's get inside of my buddy, Kumal Nanjiani. When you talk about Eternals and it wasn't the response that you were hoping, how did that affect you? Marvel thought that we'd be going on a wave of raves, you know, and it wasn't true. The reviews were really bad. And you were aware of it while you were on tour? Yeah, I was too aware of it. And so very intentionally, I did start counseling. Emily says that I do have trauma from it. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen. You're on the afternoon drive here on KMJ at kmjnow.com or wherever you stream. That's uh, Philip Tressy. My name is E. Curtis Johnson. Uh, the New York Post is reporting that uh, Wendy's says it wants to clarify its plans to roll out those digital menu billboards that can change prices for burgers and fries throughout the day. Uh, they insisted that their uh, announced Uber-style surge pricing isn't part of the plan. So Kirk Tanner is the CEO of, uh, of uh, Wendy's. He told analysts this month that the new digital menu boards uh, will enable the chain to enact dynamic pricing, a term that uh, Uber uses to describe its model that moves fares higher when demand spikes. So that right there is the crux of the problem with this entire story. New York Post is still reporting it that way. And everybody in the country who went boo about Wendy's was going to engage in surge pricing, which is what Uber does. Um, didn't actually read the entire statement or listen to the shareholder call because, as it turns out, that's not what he was talking about. Uh, th- this, is, this is a great example of somewhere a reporter for a wire service skimmed an article or an abstract or a summary and then generated a report that got run with by the the infotainment networks and turned into outrage and hair pulling from Rachel Maddow and Jesse Waters instead of actually saying what was said. Mm. Dynamic pricing, which wouldn't be anywhere until 2025, is meant to incentivize people to buy menu items, not de-incentivize people to come to the store during high demand times 
In other words, if Wendy's finds out that, for argument's sake, McDonald's is doing some kind of a special where you can go to the app and get chicken McNuggets for, you know, what, half price. Wendy's can push out to all of the corporate-owned stores competitive pricing like that, and it shows up on the menu boards and advertises, hey, we're doing half off of, uh, you know, Wendy's chicken nuggets. It was never about surge pricing. And it got misreported by everybody in the damn country yesterday. Yeah, we, uh, boy, we jumped on that. We were, we, we, everybody went, what the heck is going on there? Yeah, well, it was it, the most perfect example of this kind of reporting and how, the, how reporting, unfortunately, sometimes becomes the telephone game. Uh, it takes me back to a conversation I had with my dentist, golly, five, six years ago. Um, the story pops up. If you get regular professional cleanings, there is no benefit to flossing. Therefore, none of us need to floss ever again. Yay! Everybody hates flossing, right? Yes. So I, I asked my dentist because all I had was mainstream media reporting all saying, well, if you get your teeth professionally cleaned by the dentist, you don't have to floss anymore. Every single dentist I have ever seen has always said, don't forget to floss. Like it was a thing when I was a kid. I had a couple of cavities because I was a kid. I wasn't super diligent about it. And so I asked him, I said, Martin, what's, what's, the, what's the real story? And he says, okay, so the actual journal reporting is that people in first world countries who get professional cleanings quarterly do not see a greater level of tooth decay within the margin of error than people who floss regularly. Well, most of us get two cleanings a year off of our insurance, so that's what we do. Most people won't pay out of pocket for a professional cleaning if they don't have to. True. So most of us already don't qualify for this. And again, that's assuming that you have otherwise perfect oral health, that this becomes true. If you, if you got the bad luck lottery on tooth decay, you need, you need to see the dentist and you need to floss. And so he kind of laughed it off as, well, this is what happens when people just report the headline. This Wendy's stories is what happens when people just report the headline. That's why, we did, that's why you and I didn't talk about it yesterday, because I hadn't had a chance to look at the actual shareholder address, and something in my gut was telling me, this doesn't make sense. Why would you surge price at peak times? Because if, if, I'm in, if I'm in line, and I look at the menu board, and I see my Baconator go up by a buck while I'm waiting, because, oh, there's a surge, I'm gone. That was never what they were going to do. So the whole thing is just misreporting. Gross misreporting. Um, it, it also, by the way, by the end of 2025, would only have been rolled out to company-owned restaurants. So like all the Wendy's in, in Fresno, they're franchises. So this was never even about like the franchise-owned stores. This was about company-owned stores two years from now in exactly the opposite way as what Fox News and NBC were telling you guys last night. That's fascinating. It's The idea of the dynamic pricing to, to be like hyper-competitive, it's a really cool idea. It's a really neat thing to do. I think the more interesting story is that the entirety of Western journalism tipped its hand that nobody actually read the original material.
Well, let's face it. In a, in a news cycle these days, everybody's looking to break a story. Everybody wants to go, oh, this is this is new, this is different. They want to be the first one out there, and they didn't do their homework, and now they look silly. And I understand that, and I think that most consumers of news understand that. You know what you're not going to see today? What's that? You're not going to see any of, any of these people on any of these networks. You're not going to see any of these blogs that all got their outrage on. You're not going to see a single one of them go, uh, we didn't actually read the source material and completely misrepresented and misunderstood what was happening, so uh, we're going to retract our reporting on it. Nobody's going to do it. The articles are just going to disappear from websites. Well, that is truth in reporting right there. You are absolutely right. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? <laughs> In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen. Roll through your four o'clock hour, and it is time to break out the tinfoil and start mashing it onto your head sheet by sheet. Actually, no, don't put it on your head. Um, start start wrapping it around your cell phone. <laughs> well, this is guys, this is not tinfoil hattery. Uh, this this is this is real reporting, and I'm telling you now, as somebody who's been following this stuff, it's Broadly speaking, the truth. The government has a new way to spy on you, and it is as legal as church on Sunday. Do tell. Well, you've got your you've got your smartphone. I've got my smartphone. You've got your smartphone. I do. So we, we, we take our magical bars of glass everywhere we go because God forbid that not only should we not be able to instantly reach or be reached by the little bubble of people in our personal lives, but I may not be able to remember the name of the actress that played the owner of the club and Ted Lasso off the top of my head, and somebody told me she was in a really weird, possibly racist commercial for Bailey's Irish Cream, so I need to look that up right now on the commercial break. That that happens millions of times across America every day. And of course, like every responsible consumer, if I'm about to make some kind of purchase, what do I do? Do I look at my budget? Do I look at my savings? No, no, no. I just pull up my bank app and take a quick peek, see where the balance is. It's even better than navigating by ATM receipt like I used to do in the 90s. That's accurate. And, oh, well, you know, you got to set the alarm on the house, and God forbid I walk over to the keypad and punch in the code and walk out the front door in 60 seconds. I can do it from my phone. I can sit in my truck in front of the house and boop, 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 and turn on the cameras and everything. Because we got to have those magic bars of glass. we got to have them with us all the time. How can you do anything without it? And we got to be able to take pictures of everything we see. And we got to take pictures of everything. And we got to check in on social media. Of course. Gotta, we might miss something. Hey, man, I, I had a killer meal last night at the Mexican joint a couple of blocks from my house. If I don't share that picture of my chimichanga, all my friends have missed out on my joy. And we've probably got a couple of feeds that we follow of some kind. 
news or entertainment. We got oh. we got to stay up to date on that. How could you possibly expect me to sit at a red light and not read the news? Oh, that would be irresponsible. It's the perfect companion to listening to two people complain about the news on the radio. I'm going to look real quick and see if he made it up. <sighs> So we carry around the magical bars of glass. And, and what do we know? We already know this. Facebook and Google and Apple and all of the other apps on your phone and the Chinese communist government via TikTok. And they're all collecting information. Where are you? What are you looking at? In some cases, what are you talking about with the people in the car? And definitely, where are you going? Where are you spending your money? You took your phone. You went across the street. You went to, oh, I won't blame it on you. I went to Walgreens. I went across the street. I wanted to get a soda pop, and uh, I wanted to get some uh, Claritin because, you know, it's that time of year. And what did I do? I put my phone in my pocket, and I walked across the street, and I walked into Walgreens, and I went straight to the uh, Claritin, and then I walked over, and I got my little Perrier, and I walked up to the counter, and then you know what I did. I took out my phone, and I tapped it on the thing so I didn't have to reach into my other pocket and get my wallet out. That's convenience. That's technology. And then my receipt from from Walgreens was emailed to me in my Gmail account that's owned by Google that spits that information back into my phone where other apps could theoretically harvest the data from it. Well, that's better than a terrible uh, paper printout, which (laughs) might damage the ecology. They're reaching into my pocket and taking out a $20 bill and paying for my stuff and throwing my receipt away immediately like any sane person should. Instead, I've got it in my Gmail account where I can go back and look to see that on Wednesday, February 28th, 2024, I bought a Claritin and a Perrier at Walgreens at 4.40 p.m. Because someday that's going to matter. You might need to know that at some point in your life, sir. So we do all of this and we accept that Google and Facebook and everybody else is collecting that information and collecting that geolocation data, and they're all selling it to advertisers, right? Of course. Because if Rite Aid knows that I go to Walgreens on the regular, you know, there might be a Rite Aid on the way home, we can send him a coupon so he can get the Claritin cheaper at Rite Aid, so instead of going to Walgreens, he'll come into Rite Aid. Makes perfect sense, right? I get my Claritin a little bit cheaper, Rite Aid gets a couple extra dollars in the coffer, Modern technology. It's a beautiful thing. The government's buying all that data. But what are they doing with it is the question. They're compiling profiles about the users of the data. Is is this for statistical purposes or is this the government spying on us? Yes. It's all in the same when when you really think about it. Yes. Well, yeah, why, why does the government need to know all of that information? So, so here is a good and practical answer as to why the government might want access to geolocation data. Let's say, again, the grand hypothetical here. You and I, after work, decide that we're going to walk over to Subway and grab a foot long and have a bite to eat while we plan whatever it is we're going to do on the show tomorrow. Okay, that's plausible. All right, so we, so we walk over, we both take our phones. We go to Subway. I, I, you know, I'm going to pick up dinner this time. It's my turn, so I boot my phone, and my receipt gets emailed to me directly because, God forbid, I not hang on to the receipt for the time I bought my buddy a sandwich. I might even expense it. Maybe, if I remember, amongst the thousands of receipts in my Gmail account. And then we go and we sit down, and while we're eating, 
some dirtbag comes into Subway, sticks a gun in the clerk's face, clears out the register, and runs off. So the police come in. They get the geolocation data from the nearest cell towers. And there are, relative to that subway, three that you can see if you were standing on the roof. Like like line of sight within a block or two. And they come in and they request that geolocation data. Well, they can see that you and I walked from over here to over there and that we stayed there after everything happened. So you and I didn't run away at the time of the bad guy. But there was a cell phone that was present that didn't remain on site and that followed the physical path, uh, you know, somebody at, at the speed of somebody running on foot east on Shaw out past Fig Garden Village and Whole Foods and eventually disappeared off of this particular grid of cell towers. So we now know the guy went east, right? That is true. It's a good clue for the cops, right? Absolutely. So why not just give it to them ahead of time? Well, that's the problem because the government thinks it has a right to know everything and and technically uh, they've got us on a legal loophole here i've got a fourth amendment right how does it apply to this well that's going to be the question because this is going to become litigation because what they're doing is they're going out and they're buying up data which by the way if you've got enough money you you sir e curtis johnson you can buy this data too and you buy these massive tranches of user data that is theoretically to be used for the purposes of advertising and marketing. But that's not all that this data is good for. There's a lot of stuff you can do with enough data. So if you've got enough money, you can go buy this data. There, there's little data brokers, most of whom you and I have never heard of. Google and Facebook, they're the power players, but they are not the only game in town. If you buy enough of that data and you know how to crunch the numbers, you can develop a working schematic of a demographic, of a geographic area, of a certain income, of a certain phone model, of of a certain general description. The government is building vast databases about the day-to-day activity of American consumers and justifying it as research into data collection details through these brokers. So I, I bought my uh, my iPhone, I think, three years ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I did with the receipt. I don't know what I did with the user manual, blah, blah, blah. I could probably look it up. It's all in your email. But I have a feeling that, um, that I, probably, I probably signed the rights away when I bought the phone. That's, well, that's my suspicion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the end user licensing agreement, the terms of service for all of this stuff, tells you, if you bother to read it very clearly, that Lowe's or Home Depot is going to collect certain information about your phone and the, what you do with their app and the information that you put in. Because if you're going to Lowe's or Home Depot, what do we know? You got a Lowe's or a Home Depot card, which means your name, your phone number, your date of birth, your social security number. Mailing address, billing address, and then the geolocation data and search history from the app. That's a really, really good picture of how you or I spend money at a big box hardware store. Yep. Well, here, here's, a, uh, here's a personal example. You can relate to this one, Philip. Uh, let the KMJ audience in on this of how all this works. 
So uh, Philip and I have the, we, we have a home studio each. And uh, we actually have the same model of microphone. Um, I, I had to clean my microphone the other day and needed a special Allen wrench, um, which I had to buy online. Yeah. So I thought, well, these things are really cheap. I'm going to buy one for my buddy Philip. So just by buying an Allen wrench for a particular microphone that I have in my home studio, I am now receiving no less than five um, ads a day on my Facebook account for various home studio microphone-related items. Oh, yeah. Just by buying a little Allen wrench that actually costs less than a dollar. Yeah. And you've got that level of granularity and specificity in ad service from a social media network, because that's all they want to do. All Facebook wants to do is mine your data, sell it to the highest bidder, so they can then sell ads to that bidder, so that if you happen to be interested in collecting Allen wrenches, you'll know where to go. We all treat that as totally benign. Anybody with adequate funding can buy that data enough of that data eventually begins to paint a clear picture of whatever data set you're trying to monitor. Geographic, demographic, it's all there. It's all very easily sorted along those lines. And the United States government is buying it up hand over fist. It is completely legal. And they are not talking about why they want it. See, this is another example where that darn George Orwell was right. Big Brother really is watching, and and so is corporate America. But what? Thank you for joining us here on the Afternoon Drive on KMJ at kmjnow.com or anywhere you stream. That's uh, Philip Tressy. My name is E. Curtis Johnson. The Denver Post is reporting that um, one of uh, U.S. Representative Lowen Borbert's sons was arrested on Tuesday on charges related to a string of vehicle trespasses and also some property thefts. He's uh, facing four felony charges of criminal possession uh, of ID documents and multiple victims, one count of conspiracy to commit a felony, and over 15 additional misdemeanor and petty offenses. According to the online jail records for, uh, for the county sheriff, uh, Tyler Bobert faces 22 charges, which also include contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Uh, jail records show he's still in custody. No bond information is listed. This kid's 18 years old, right? Um, yeah, he's he's 18 years old. The, the, the other three people that he was arrested with were all minors, but I'm guessing if he's 18 years old, they're all 17 years old because they all went to school together. Makes sense. Uh, it looks like they're, the group is facing a charge of conspiracy to commit a crime. And then you throw on the contributing to the, the delinquency of a minor, which is a felony in Colorado. Well, that's part of the problem of uh, being 18 and hanging out with 17-year-olds. It's, it's also a, a, another uh, kind of black mark on, on Lauren's record. I mean, she, she's going to be running in a different congressional district, and she's got all of these charges uh, in her family. I, you know, I'm really torn because as a public person, your, your family is subject to a level of scrutiny unlike any other person walking walk the streets, um, which means that mistakes get amplified. And look, I'm not trying to write this off as a mistake, okay? We don't, we don't have a clear picture of what was going on with uh, Tyler Bobert. 
but every one of those kids' mistakes is going to get amplified. And look, if Dummy was out actually doing something felonious, if he was out burglarizing houses or stealing cars, he's got to deal with those consequences. If he was just out partying with his friends and they were sitting around the pool of a unoccupied home drinking natty light ice, I'm not sure this is a news story, or at least it's not a national news story. But Congresswoman Boebert invites the speculation. She's got this this now ex-husband who got busted flashing the wedding tackle to kids in a bowling alley bathroom. She's behaved like a lightning rod for what little political career she's had. You've got the Beetlejuice incident where she pulls a do you know who I am after being ejected from a children's theater production for, um, oh, let's let's call it fraudaging in the eighth row. And th- then you've got the, the district jumping nonsense because she suddenly had a real competitor in the primary. Well, and there's, there's another case here where her ex-husband uh, was arrested for assault on one of their sons, uh, shoving his thumb into his mouth. So that's, that's another family incident making the news. I don't know if Tyler Boebert deserves to have to carry the weight of his mother's public persona. I guarantee that any trouble Tyler gets into, any proof of guilt that lands on Tyler, it's going to come up in the primary and the general election if she makes it that far. Yeah, America's watching. I think Lauren Boebert's got to go home and focus on her family, though. I mean, this is this is not a good look for somebody who's already pretty well not looking good. E. Curtis Johnson's over there. I'm Philip Teresi. An update of headlines is on the way with Jim Miller, as is Hour 4 of Your Afternoon Drive on KMJ. Look at Hollywood with Michael Rosenbaum. Let's get inside of my buddy, Kumal Nanjiani. When you talk about Eternals and it wasn't the response that you were hoping, how did that affect you? Marvel thought that we'd be going on a wave of raves, you know, and it wasn't true. The reviews were really bad. And you were aware of it while you were on tour? Yeah, I was too aware of it. And so very intentionally, I did start counseling. Emily says that I do have trauma from it. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen.